It was a false Saturday in, in 2016. I was here getting ready for church on Sunday when I received a text message from my friend Cameron. Uh, it was nothing unusual. Uh, I talked to Cameron probably three to four times a week. Uh, we grew up together. I went from preschool all the way through freshman year of college with him. I played sports with him. I worked with him during the, the uh, summertime. Uh, I was in his wedding. And when he and his wife became pregnant, he FaceTimed me to tell me that uh, they were having a baby. So it was nothing unusual to receive a text message from him. But then I opened it, and he said, hey, word's going to be getting out soon, so I just wanted to text you and let you know Lauren has stage 4 breast cancer. And I read that text message, and I sat in that chair right next to Eric in that empty chair, and I bowed my head, and I cried, and I prayed, asking God, no. I said, no, God, this can't happen. They have a six-month-old son. Please heal her. Work through the chemo, work through the radiation, and heal her. And pretty soon word did get out, and many Christians were praying for Lauren. Uh, We prayed and we prayed and we prayed. We sent messages up to Jesus with full confidence, believing that He was going to heal her. Why? Because He's the God who heals, right? He has all power. He has all control. He is all loving. So, of course, we're going to pray to Him and pray with confidence that He is going to heal Lauren. And we prayed. This past Thanksgiving, on on the Tuesday before Thanksgiving, Lauren died. She went home to be with Jesus. Grief sets in and people start to ask questions. Lord, if you would have been here, this wouldn't have happened. Lord, if you would have acted, Lord, why didn't you heal her? You say you're all loving. You say you're all powerful. And yet you let a young 30-year-old woman die. Where were you? That's a question Martha and Mary and the crowd of Jewish people had for Jesus in John chapter 11. We're going to pick up in verse 17, and so I want to give you the background to what what has happened. Uh, Lazarus, Martha and Mary's brother, had, had gotten sick, severely sick. And Martha and Mary knew that there was nothing they could do, that uh, he was on his deathbed. And so what did they do? They sent messengers to Jesus. Jesus, Lazarus, the, the one you love is sick. Please come and heal him. And they sent those messengers with full confidence that Jesus would come, right? Why? Because they had witnessed Jesus open the eyes of the blind. They had witnessed Jesus heal other people. And that was for people that Jesus didn't really know. They were friends with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Of course, when Jesus hears that Lazarus is sick, He's going to come and heal because they're friends. And so they, pray, they, they sent these messengers with confidence. But Jesus didn't come. In fact, do you know what Jesus did? He got the message... And he waited two days before he started making the journey to Bethany. He stayed where he was for two extra days before heading to the city where Lazarus was. And in those two days, Lazarus dies. Lazarus dies. And what we're going to see is that Martha, 
Mary and the crowds all have the same question. Lord, why weren't you here? Why didn't you act? It's the same question we ask, isn't it? When we're in the doctor's office and we receive the bad news, the bad diagnosis, we ask, Lord, why aren't you acting? Why did you let this happen? It's when the doctor comes and tells us that there's nothing more that they can do, we ask, Lord, why haven't you done something? Same question we ask when when the doctor comes in and says, you might want to prepare yourself because your loved one isn't going to be here much longer. It's the question we ask ourselves as we stand in front of the coffin looking down at our loved one. Lord, why didn't you do something? Why weren't you here? And when we're in that moment, we are one tiny step away from believing that God doesn't exist. Because if God is all-powerful, if He is all-loving like He says He is, and He didn't do something, then He must not be real. Why did you let this happen, Lord? Jesus has an answer. He has an answer for Martha. He has an answer for Mary. He has an answer for the crowd. And He has an answer for you and me today. And it all has to do with who He is. And so let's jump into John chapter 11, verse 17. On His arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had been uh, been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. So Jesus enters the town. Martha hears that Jesus is there. Martha leaves the mourners, leaves her sister, and goes and meets him on the edge of town. And she does so respectfully, but she wants some answers, right? Lord, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. You think behind that is, why didn't you come? We sent messengers to you. We know you got the message because they came back. Where were you? Here's what Jesus says. After she had said this, uh, whoops, that's not right. Here's what he said. Jesus said to her, Your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Jesus gives, in the midst of death, Jesus gives comfort. Jesus says, Martha, I know that your brother has died, but he will rise again, but he will rise again. And did you notice how Martha responds? She almost dismisses it, right? I know he'll rise again in the last day. I know that. And Jesus says, no, no, Martha, you don't understand. You see, what Martha is saying 
she says, I know he's going to rise, but that doesn't help me now. I'm hurting now. My brother is dead. I'm alive. And what's going to help me is to know that my brother's here with me. That's what's going to help me. That's what's going to heal the hole in my heart. Yes, I'm glad that he's going to rise again later on. But how does that help me now, Jesus? You know, when we're in situations like that, when, when we're trying to comfort somebody who has lost a loved one, what often do we say? We say something generic like, I'm sorry for your loss. They're in a better place. We say something like that. But Jesus doesn't give generic comfort. He gives real comfort. He says not only will, they, will he rise at the end, but Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me will live even though they die. See, what, what Jesus is wanting Martha to know is that he is the God who has control over death. Death stings. Death is brutal. Death isn't fun. But Jesus is the resurrection and the life. In other words, whoever, lives and believe, whoever believes in him will continue to live even though they die. He is the one who has control over the grave. And we are not abandoned to the grave when we die believing in Him. Imagine how little comfort we have if Jesus isn't in the picture. No Jesus, only death. Death reigns. There we stay. There is separation from God. There is separation from our loved ones. But Jesus says, not anymore. I am the resurrection and the life. I have control. And Martha, that is real comfort. Yes, you are apart from your loved one right now. But He is living in heaven. He is living and you are going to be reunited with Him again. Because I am the resurrection and the life. Not only does Jesus offer comfort, but Jesus offers empathy to Mary. Let's go there. We'll skip around here. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and is asking for you. When Mary heard this, she got up and up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him. In the midst of death, Jesus has empathy. Martha's sister Mary comes out to the edge of town to meet Jesus and she falls at Jesus' feet and says the exact same thing that Mary said, right? Lord, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Same questions. Same, why weren't you here, Jesus? Where were you? Why didn't you do anything? But notice Jesus doesn't answer this time, right? Martha needed to hear the truth. Mary isn't looking to talk. 
Jesus sees into her heart and knows what does Mary need. She doesn't need a theological lesson. She doesn't need comfort through words. What does Mary need? She needs somebody to cry with her. She needs somebody to mourn with her. She needs someone to be angry with her. And that's what Jesus does. Jesus wept. He cried. Think of how amazing that is. Imagine that you're Jesus, you are God, and you know exactly what's going on. You know exactly what you're going to do. You know exactly what's going to happen. How would you react? How would you respond to Mary? Would you cry with her? I think if it was me, I'd say, Hey, Mary, I know you're sad right now, but just wait a second. Follow me. Come with me. Everything's going to be okay. Wipe your tears away. I'd slap her on the back and say, Hey, cheer up. But Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus enters her pain, enters her sorrow. He feels her pain and sadness, and He cries with her. He mourns with her. And He even gets angry with her. We're told that Jesus was deeply moved. And we're going to be told that again once He gets to the tomb. Uh, And in the Greek, which is what the original was written in, the word actually means He became indignant. He was angry. He was deeply moved to anger. Why? In death, who do we often get angry at? We turn our anger toward God, right? And direct it at Him. Jesus is God. So He's not angry at Himself. What's He angry at? He's angry at the real offender. And that's death. God didn't create the world to have death be part of it. He didn't create the world for death to touch human beings. But now death is in the world and He's angry about it. He hates it. Now he has to watch and see as death hurts his loved ones. How how death hurts and puts holes in the hearts of the people that he loves and cares about. And it wasn't supposed to be that way. And he hates it. And he's angry as he enters that pain with Mary. And yet, you might be asking, well then why didn't he do something about it? If he hates death so much, why, didn't he, why did he let this happen? Jesus has an answer for us. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. The Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he's been in there four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, Take off the grave clothes, and let him go. In the midst of death, Jesus gives life. They approach the tomb and they see what everyone sees. Death claimed another victim. There was nothing they could do to stop it. 
There was nothing they could do to change the situation. Lazarus is dead in there. There's nothing anyone could do. He's been in there so long that Martha says, Jesus, you don't want to roll away that stone because his body has started to decay. It smells. You don't want to do that. And Jesus says, didn't I tell you? If you believe, you're going to see the glory of God. Roll away the stone. And then in a loud voice, Jesus calls out, Lazarus, come out. And the dead man walks out. Not as a mummy, even though he looked like it with all the strips of linen wrapped around him, but he was alive just like you and me are alive. You see, to all those wondering, why didn't God do something? To all those wondering, where was Jesus? To all those wondering, Jesus, why didn't you do something? Why weren't you here? Jesus does do something. He reverses the irreversible. He gives hope to the doubters. He gives faith to the faithless. He gives life to the dead. You see, Jesus is our only hope. Jesus is the one who gives life. He is the resurrection and the life. And He brings out the dead. And maybe we're sitting here and we're thinking, well, that's great for Mary and Martha. But He, hasn't, he didn't do that for me. What's the point of the sign? What's the point of the miracle? The point is not, this is how Jesus acts all the time. This isn't, this, the point isn't, hey, this is what Jesus is going to do for you. He's going to bring your loved one back to life here on earth. The point isn't that Mary and Martha receive their loved one back. The point is to prove that Jesus has control over death. That He has control over death itself and will bring us life. That's the point of the miracle. Death isn't God's fault. Death is our fault. God told Adam and Eve, don't eat from the tree, otherwise you will die. And what did they do? They ate anyways. And now the consequence of sin is death. The Bible says the soul who sins is a soul who shall die. The wages of sin is death. Death is in the world because we sin. It's a consequence of our actions, our thoughts, and our, and our uh, words. But God doesn't abandon us to the grave. We look around and we get angry when death happens, and rightfully so. It's not supposed to happen. And we turn our attention to God and we say, why didn't you do something about it? But Jesus did do something about it. He showed that He has power over death here, and He did do something about it. Where was God? Where is Jesus? He's suspended in midair on the cross between a broken, sin-filled world and a holy and righteous God who can't tolerate sin. There at the cross of Christ, the innocent Son of God takes every single sin that the world has committed, take, takes every single sin that deserves death, and He pays for it as He Himself enters death. Just like you and me are going to be buried, Jesus Himself was buried in the tomb, paid for our sin to remove the very root of death away from us. And He's buried to three days later, raising Himself back to life rolling away His own stone and living. Not alive like you and me anymore, but living eternally. 
Death can no longer touch Jesus. Death doesn't win. Death is still in the world. It's still going to touch us. It's still going to hurt us. It's still going to sting. But we have the comfort of knowing that one day Jesus is going to say to you and to me, He's going to call us out by name and say, Come out! And we are going to rise from the dead and live forever with Jesus in heaven where pain and suffering and death and sin can no longer touch us anymore. That is the hope that we have. We have life because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. Jesus paid for our sin. Jesus rose from the dead and now He promises that He will raise you back to life at the very end where you will live forever with Him in heaven with your loved ones who have died in Jesus, with all the saints who have gone before us. He is a God who gives us comfort in the midst of death. He's he's a God who has empathy with us in the midst of death. And He's the one who gives life in the midst of death. I'm going to close today by telling you a story uh, about a man named Mike. I met Mike... uh, at my internship in Katy, Texas at the church there. Uh, He'd been going to that church for about a year before I I got there. And how Mike got there was uh, for 30 years, Mike lived as an alcoholic. And after 30 years of living like an alcoholic, his wife said, I've had enough, Mike. We're getting divorced. And Mike said to himself, well, I need to do two things. I need to quit drinking and I need to find God. And so Mike walked to the church that we were at uh, because it was less than a mile from his house. And he had been going there for a year when I got there, and he had taken uh, Bible 101 or Starting Point seven times in a row. And I got to teach him three times, uh, three classes with him. He got close to Jesus. He he was brought to faith in Jesus as his Savior, and his life completely turned around. His marriage turned around, and both he and his wife joined the church. Uh, and I got to serve them communion for the very first time ever in their life. And it was, it was a, an amazing experience. Last year, Mike was diagnosed with liver cancer. And four months later, Mike died. A week before he died, Pastor was visiting him. And, and he said, Pastor, I grew up knowing about heaven and hell. And if this would have happened six years ago, all I would be thinking about is how, how horrible hell's going to be. But now all I can think about is how great heaven's going to be. And I look forward to being there. Mike had that confidence because he knew the resurrection and the life. Mike knew that Jesus had power over the grave. He knew that one day Jesus is going to call out, Mike, come out! And death would have to be obedient because Jesus has power over the grave. Death is obedient and submits to the Master that is Jesus. Just like it will with you. Mike, Lauren, your loved ones, my loved ones who have died in Jesus are in heaven with Him right now, living. And that's where we're going to be because Jesus is the resurrection and the life. I pray that as death comes into our life, as suffering happens, we don't turn against God and get angry at Him, but we turn against the real offender, which is death. And instead we look to God for comfort, for empathy, empathy, and life, even in the midst of death. May God be with you this week. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you for being the resurrection and the life. We thank you for not abandoning us to the grave, but for uh, conquering the grave and being uh, the master 
of death. We thank you for showing us that you have that power and giving us the confidence and hope that one day we will live with you forever in heaven where there's no pain, no sorrow, no suffering. Strengthen our faith uh, in you that we may know that you are the resurrection and the life. Amen. Part of the privilege in worship is that we get to confess our sins to our God and we get to hear that our sins are forgiven because of Jesus. So we're going to do that right now. We're going to use the words on page 6 or found up on the screen. Please stand as we confess our sins to our God. Lord Jesus, You are the resurrection and the life. You alone have power over death. Sometimes... I accuse you of not using your power to prevent earthly and temporal pains. I don't take comfort in your word, and I forget to focus on the eternal life you promised me. O Lord, I am sorry for my doubts and for my sins. Have mercy on me, a sinner. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through Jesus Christ, our Lord. In His great love for us, God made us alive in Christ even when we were dead in our sins. Hear the truth of God's Word. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. It's because of Christ and His perfect life and His innocent death that all your sins are forgiven. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated as we sing a